Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Geeky Dinks. This week we are talking about uh, inventors and their inventions that usually spur the story on, that sort of thing. Or inventions uh, that don't work. Right. So, like, the first thing that came to mind when we were thinking of inventors, that their inventions aren't exactly what they thought, is the shrink gun from Honey, I Shrunk the yep. Kids. Just because Ray Zielinski is such a tinkerer type <laughs> inventor tinkerer. guy. Like, his mailbox has like all the weird gadgetry on mm-hmm. it that the postal worker's like uh <laughs> i don't know if i should touch this right but it, <laughs> it's all automated before things were really automated right yeah that was definitely advanced back then right it's not so al- much anymore it's always those things that in hindsight look more like a rube gold rube goldberg sort of thing mm-hmm. i don't know like, how you say that that well that's <laughs> i didn't know it was rube yeah rube Goldberg. It was rude. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it has all those multiple steps to look super complicated mm-hmm. to do this one thing that they're like, okay, I didn't want to actually have to do that on my own. So I developed a program. An 18-step program. That does it for me. Mm-hmm. So I can just focus on my work. Right. Because they're all absent-minded professor types you know they really are like when you really look at all the the movies of inventors they're these like add scientists that are just so busy right they're like i don't have time to brush my teeth so i'm gonna make this machine that brushes my teeth while i sleep so that when i get up i have more time or you know whatever the case they're they're not quite functional enough to be successful yeah sadly yeah, <laughs> that, oh, that is kind of sad. But yeah, that's true. So like, like Doc Brown. Yeah, I was going to say Doc Brown is a really good example of that because yeah. he's got those automated machines. That very opening title shows all of his things working, his clocks going off, the can opener feeding the dog because he can't even remember to feed the dog. But, but it also shows that he used to live in a mansion and it was destroyed. True. And that, you know, he, he sold off all of his property. Mm-hmm. And he just lives in a little garage now, and it's just covered with junk. Right, because it's the stuff from his mansion. But also, you know, like, the fact that he has to have these things. I don't even know that he has to have them. I think he just is like, what else can I have a machine do so that I don't have to? I think his his sole purpose, at least Doc Brown, his purpose of making things is to make other people's lives easier not necessarily his if it benefits his that's great that's why i keep thinking back to the dog uh the can opener where oh, it like yeah. drops the food for einstein and i was like i just imagine he made that one because it would make his life easier right. he doesn't have to remember but it would also make other people's lives easier if they're busy like him <laughs> and then what was the other one there was one that like made toast was there well, a toaster I, one I or think, didn't have toast well, and then the coffee i think everything ran on a timer mm-hmm so, like, when all the clocks started going off, the program started, like, setting everything right. off, like, the coffee maker, yeah, the... The, the toaster, the TV. The toaster, the TV, the dog food mm-hmm. thing. That, that uh, robotic arm, it's, like, one of the first things that all robotics students oh, start to learn steps on. Arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, like, how to open and close a thing, how to program it to work uh, going on the arm, just, like, you know this... What? Turn it, that sort you of You know thing. what's really funny about that? That's the dum-dum machine that Tony Stark has. Oh, yeah. It's a robotic arm, oh, just yeah. like that. That's just, just, just dum-dum. A, just a really big version of it. 
Yeah. The fact that that's like the first thing that they work on. And so that's his machine that he's like, okay, you're my dumb machine. Because you're the very first one. He's got all these other better, more glorious machines. I, I, that just came to me, and I was like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> that is That funny. that's his dunce, dum-dum machine. <laughs> yeah, he just has the three claws. Yeah, yeah, and it's like this, literally the same hand that Doc Brown has, but just on a much bigger scale. And it's and it's smarter, because it can actually move and do things and think and respond. Right. But it's still his basic machine. Yeah. That's funny. I hadn't, that's actually, I like that. <laughs> Um, let's see. So you've got Doc Brown. Obviously, we just talked about Tony Stark. Yeah. He's an inventor. And he's had inventions go wrong. Yeah, I mean... Not by really his own doing, though. Well, it depends on who you talk to. Well, there. We we have certain listeners out there who have been very vocal about their feelings about Mr. Stark. That, no, we won't go there. But I, I will say, he made inventions. Obviously, he made weapons. Stark Industries started with weapons. Right, and that and that isn't even Tony. That's Howard. Right, that was Howard. But when you think about the stuff that Tony has made, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about inventors, and I will probably, we'll probably have to do a whole episode of just Tony Stark, because there are so many things about him that I like. I realize he's not a perfect human being but he learns from his mistakes he learns hey my weapons are bad and they're killing people and it almost killed me so i stopped making weapons so i start making protection which at the same time is still a weapon yeah but whatever it's either a weapon or protection depending on who's using it and who's being attacked with it so still kind of the same thing well his whole thinking goes back and forth between being preemptive Mm -hmm. towards protection or reactionary Right. And the whole split between Captain America and Tony right. was Captain America preferred to react to whatever problem arose, mm-hmm. whereas Tony would rather be not, proactive. Well, yeah, pro- be proactive, not have a problem to begin with. Right. But unfortunately, that isn't really how the world works. No, but you kind of have to have a little bit of both. And I think that's why they worked well, because one was, you know, they could kind of keep each other in check. But I think what I what I liked about Tony was very much that meme of when he got lost in the desert, he put a tracker in Spider-Man's suit so that he never gets lost. Oh, yeah. When he got cold, he put a warming thing in Peter's suit. When he went to space, he put space abilities in Peter's suit. Just so he's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we need to be prepared for these things. And if he's wearing my tech, he needs to be prepared for these things. Yeah, I mean, eventually he developed suits... For all those different abilities, you know, in Iron Man mm-hmm. 3, that oh, at yeah. the end, he has all those different Iron Man suits mm-hmm. set up. And I think there's a, a website that actually has all of them named and sorted oh, wow. by their mark number. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, the one that he's working on at the beginning of the movie. It's like mark 40... 42. Yeah. I think. Aha! I didn't even catch that. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, when, when I watched it, I was like, uh... <laughs> he answered everything. I, that makes sense, I, though. I understand that. I understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a super smart inventor that just kind of goes a little too far. Well, he's always looking to push himself. Right. And I think most inventors are trying to do that. Like, mm-hmm. just push the envelope of science, mechanics. Like, Something. it's usually grounded in some sort of science. Mm-hmm. It isn't usually, like, super fantastical. Right. That's true. They're not, they're either doing it one to make life easier or to break some kind of record or develop something that's never been done before. 
Yeah. That's usually where I think the grounds for invention come from. You either want to prove that something can be done that everyone says can't. Right. Or you're like, I just want to help people and I think it would be so much easier if they could do X, Y, Z. Yeah. I mean, if you if we're keeping it within the Marvel Universe, Hank Pym mm-hmm. is also, he invented the Pym particle. Right. That let them shrink down stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, they turned it into a weapon for their suit, you know, and turned them into weapons. Like right. Like Ant-Man and the Wasp back in cold war days Mm -hmm. you know taking on missiles and uh, military uprisings and stuff like that but they also wanted to use it at the beginning of the first movie it's in a deleted scene and also as a background person in that movie Mm -hmm. i got to see them filming that whole thing and even stuff that they left out i got to see what they were doing Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that whole scene at the beginning of Ant-Man, where they're in the lab and they're talking about the uses for this new shrinking technology by the time they get it worked out, can be used for helping, you know, transport mm-hmm. all sorts of things by, you know, making these shipping containers super small, you know? Right. And they keep going, like, from station to station, just showing how these things can be used. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's a lot like that, where they're trying to use it for the betterment of the world, like making transportation more efficient. Right. You don't have to worry about fuel going. <laughs> you have to have a bunch of fuel to move all these heavy, right. heavy you things. Can move, like quadrillion times more in these tiny little shipping containers than if you had the big... You could put thousands upon thousands upon thousands in a shipping container. Exactly. But of course, with, you know... With human, anything. Yeah, humans being who they are, of course, it turns into a weapon. Right. And to go along with that, that's the same premise that happened in Big Hero 6. So Hero had invented the nanotech and was like, look at all these cool things you can do and you can do blah, 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 blah. All the nanobots, yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the the masked. Oh, yeah. The masked figure. I don't know if if it's within spoiler territory. I don't think so. I think it's old enough. It's old enough. It's years old. Yeah. Of course, it ends up being, you know, a whole red herring that it's the... The rich executive dude. At it fall, always is. But it's actually the professor who's more on a vengeance mission mm, to, to get, get his daughter back. Well, he, he thinks his daughter's dead. Right. And he just wants to make the other guy pay. Right. But then, of course, they find out, oh, wait, she's just been stuck in this weird ethereal area between portals mm-hmm. for years. Right. And they are able to bring her back. But yeah, Big Hero 6 is a great example of inventors trying to push the envelope and it's probably the one that goes into the most fanciful of them yeah you know with the one really peppy girl oh with her little bubble purse thing that like yeah and then you've got the but it's all based on like chemical reactions which is really cool very sciencey and then you've got the the guy with like the laser arm sword oh yeah the blades yeah Yeah. and then the other girl was literally like had wheels on the side of her shoes Mm mm-hmm so yeah, there was a lot of really cool, and then of course the rich kid Fred. is just a giant. Yeah, he's the monster, fire-breathing thing. lizard. That's awesome. Because <laughs> you know sometimes with inventions you just need something so ridiculous. Well, that they also attached him to Stan Lee is amazing. That is pretty funny. I I loved that to see Stan Lee animated in a technically a Marvel movie because Big Hero 6 is Marvel. It's just not MCU Marvel. Right. It is still Marvel though. Yeah, I mean I bet it could show up 
in Multiverse of Madness. That would be cool. But I just think it's cool that, that Stanley was in that as well. But that's another good... I was thinking about it. I was like, you realize that Big Hero 6 is essentially the combination of Ant-Man and almost Iron Man. Because if you think about it, in the very first Iron Man, who was trying to steal Tony's technology, the big rich executive above him. Oh. And then it's nanotech, which Tony invented. And then you've got a guy (laughs) who is out for vengeance to save someone who ends up being in a different realm. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like Ant-Man meets Iron Man, but in one and it twists the story just a smidge. Yeah, but that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, Hank never really forgave Howard. Howard for what happened with Janet. Mm-hmm. You know, like I guess it was her choice, right? But same with the daughter that was yeah. in the realm. Yeah. It was her choice with someone else's invention that went wrong, and she got stuck in a realm. Yeah. So actually, it's probably more Ant Man than it is Iron Man. But it was just kind of funny. I was like, wait a minute, that story sounds really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of makes sense, but yeah, I was like, that's interesting. But that's, you know, another scenario where good technology can go bad. But then there's a lot that are just bad inventions. Right. Kind of like in Despicable Me. So many bad inventions. Anything that Dr. Nefario mishears from Gru, like cookie robots, but <laughs> the, but he makes them boogie robots instead. Yep. A fart gun instead of a dart gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which has its uses, but it's not what was intended. <laughs> yeah. That that whole movie is based around the shrink ray. Mm-hmm. That, you know... Why do we shrink rays? Why are we shrinking so many things? I guess it's always a thing to just be able to make something big little. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, our room is scattered with, you know, models of buildings that's true. To be able to fit something that shouldn't fit in a room, in a room, you know, like uh, ships and bottles. Yeah, I guess that's a For a years long... and years and years, yeah, it's been kind of a thing to make big things little. But yeah, the, the whole first movie is, you know, him wanting to get the shrink ray so that he can steal the moon. Yeah, that's true. Even though, it, you know, they find out that the shrinking only uh, lasts. effect only lasts so long and right. it's... Uh, directly proportional to how big the thing is right or inversely proportional i guess so not really bad inventions but you do have ghostbusters yeah they Um, are inventing things yeah egon ends up being the one that invents most of the stuff for them Mm -hmm. yeah he's the one that actually has the technological know-how i think right to make it all work Whereas the rest of them are a bit more science well, on the... Well, Ray is especially just the knowledge type guy and very, let's get out there and do this. Bankman <laughs> is the salesman mm-hmm. that makes the business profitable, I guess. Right. Winston, he's, he's more like the everyman that everyone else gets to relate to. Right. Just the, I'm here, I find it interesting, it's a job, cool. Yeah, but, en- <laughs> but ends up being the guy that is like keeping Ray's store afloat in the right. newest one. Like yes. it's just so heartfelt in the new one. It I really it. is. But to show that Egon keeps inventing that whole time. Right. And he's created this massive ghost trap out in his field. Right. Cause he knew what he was up against. Right. And he's been trying to prepare everyone for it and no one's going to believe him because of course this is a huge thing, mm-hmm. but to bring them back in a way that made sense. Right. Is, I, I like that. It's pretty cool. I like that he got to actually be a ghost. 
Yeah. To be on the other side of what they've been hunting. Right. And it was kind of cool. And that they made him look like an old Egon, not, not an, an old, old Harold Ramis. Right, right. Yeah, that was... I cried. Yeah. I'm not oh, I'm yeah. not even going to lie. I cried because I was just like, I can't. Yeah. One, it's so nostalgic, but the fact they did it so well. I just remembered the movie that, that I wrote down with the bad inventions. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, right. Yeah. There's a lot of bad inventions yeah, in there. Yeah, Flint Lockwood is not a good inventor. No, he is not. <laughs> he he has enthusiasm like no other, and I love him for it. Yeah, yeah. But he just doesn't think things through. No, he's... You know, like his first invention was the spray-on shoes that he brings to show and tell, and he can never take them off. Nope, he just reapplies. Yeah. Can you imagine how bad his feet smell? He'll never know. Wonder if his feet get heavier. Well, I imagine they wear off kind of like the soles of your shoes. Mm-hmm. So if he really wanted to, I, I bet he feels like his feet start to touch the bottom of the oh, ground. So he just like the resprays them. I wonder if it allows for his feet to grow. I mean, obviously it has to because he got oh, yeah. older. But yeah, like, man, that had to have hurt. Oh yeah. But he's got that. He's got the those pigeon rats. So yeah, I don't know what that's although, all about. Although they save his life in the first one. They do, but they're so creepy, and that's really all they were good for. Yeah. The TV with legs. Yep. And then, of course, uh, because we just watched the second one, I'm thinking about the food, the grocery deliverator. Oh, yeah. And it only works on groceries. On food, yeah. Yeah, it only works on food. Which which comes in handy later on for transporting all of the... Foodimals. 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 My favorite. My favorite is the second one because of the punny food. That is my favorite. Yeah. It's just a tomato. Yeah. They're like just looking right. at all the shrimp pansies, <laughs> hippopotatoes. Hippopotamus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a list of them online. I could probably pull it up. All created by his invention. They they look right at the camera when they're like, how does this even happen? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah. They're just kind of like, it doesn't make sense, but we made a movie about it. So just ride with it. Oh, yeah. The Taco Dial Supreme. Oh, yeah. Taco Dial Supreme. <laughs> yeah, you actually made his... Flint's tip, tip him. Yeah, the one that he re- wears on his head in mm-hmm. the second one. To find the Flint's tip part. Right. Uh, <laughs> you made it to go with our cosplay mm-hmm. for Dragon Con one year, where mm-hmm. I was Flint, and you were Sam Sparks. Yep. Sasp. Inspector Gadget. Oh, yeah. I don't really remember enough about inspector gadget offhand mm-hmm. to remember why he has all those gadgets i don't know but everything started with go go gadget right something. i wonder if it's supposed to be like a kid's version of robocop where he was like this inspector who was like mortally wounded or something and so they just reattached all this stuff like a six billion dollar man sort of thing that i mean maybe i mean Look at everything that's around his head. There's a helicopter blades in his head. It's his hat. That's his head. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say there is times where his like neck extends. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Is I'm a pretty little... sure Inspector Gadget is not actually human anymore. He may have a human brain, but I'm pretty sure he's all robot. Okay. Well, this is based on the movie with uh, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Didn't they make a sequel to They it? did, Inspector Gadget 2. Oh, yeah. 
A well-meaning but overly trusting security guard named John Brown is wounded in an explosion created by the evil Dr. Claw. A beautiful scientist named Brenda Bradford takes him under her wing and turns him into a crime-fighting dynamo by replacing his limbs with a wealth of gadgets and gimmicks. Okay. So that's the movie, at least. I don't know if the cartoon was the same. But yes, I guess he was almost fatally wounded from an explosion. And so now he's, yeah, like a Robocop. Or or more like a Terminator, I think. No, Terminator is a robot. More like Robocop. Because Robocop started as a person Uh, that they put in like a robotic suit. When I was younger, I used to think they were the same movie. Oh, no. (laughs) No, Terminator. I know. No. I know. Oh gosh, this is staying in. I was planning on taking that out, but this is staying in because you had no idea. <laughs> I was really, I was young when they came out, and I was just like, it's the little like, Robocop. And I was watching Terminator. I was like, no, it's Terminator. Like, oh. I thought they were the same. No. No. <laughs> I obviously learned the difference. I mean, they but... were, I mean, I'm not even going to go into it. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, we're not doing this. We're not. I don't know if Inspector Gadget really is an invention or just kind of like a a hodgepodge of gadgetry. But it's somebody's invention. It's not necessarily Gadget's invention. I guess when an invention becomes a person, you run into that whole, like, vision holding the... Oh, holding Milner? Yeah, like... Mm -hmm. Inspector Gadget is a person. Like, he has a human personality. Yes. Well, is. Yes. Like, he's still a person in there. Like, there's still a personality and a real person. Mm -hmm. Whereas Vision (laughs) is based off of Jarvis. Right. So Jarvis and Vision were never really real. Are they an invention? Inspector Gadget is a person with a bunch of gadgetry on them. I mean, aside from, like, his head, I think his entire body is gadgetry. Right. So does that make him less human? Well, we're getting, digging deep into these questions today. <laughs> he's I would say he's a person who's existing outside of a human body. It's humanoid because they gave him arms and legs and stuff like that, but he can transform into all these different things like mm. a gadget copter whereas Jarvis is a computer living in a human body. Like a humanoid body. Right. Yeah. Like they're I think the term of personhood mm-hmm. for either of them would probably not so much be disputed with Inspector Gadget because he still has his human personality in there. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Jarvis or Vision wouldn't qualify. Well, yeah, So cause... I think he would be like a great invention, like probably one of the greater inventions of mm-hmm. Stark. True, true. Yeah, that's kind of a weird gray area because, I mean, if you were to ask Scarlet Witch, Vision is human. With the melding of technology and the Mind Stone. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think the inclusion of the Mind Stone gave him something of a soul. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was created with the same thing that gave Wanda her powers mm-hmm. gave them sort of a connection that I think she sees as something living. True, because she did say, I can feel you, and then when she saw him on the table after uh, right. Endgame, she's like, I, I don't feel you. Right, so I think what she felt towards Vision was towards the Mind Stone. So her connection to the Mind Stone, right. potentially. Without 
the Mind Stone, we'd still have Jarvis. I think that's what they were trying to do in Infinity War, mm. was try to um, separate, separate Jarvis from the Mind Stone gotcha. so they could take it out of his head so that he wasn't the target of Thanos. Right, and they could but, still have But vision. of course, it took too long. Right. Well, they thought too late on it, right. sadly. Yeah, of course, <laughs> Shuri is like immediately like, why didn't you do this instead? It was like, like, because we didn't think of it? Yeah, we didn't know that you could do that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of invention, Shiri's actually a really good one for those too. Oh, I yeah. didn't even think about that. Yeah, Shuri, she developed all the technology for Wakanda. Yeah. And like and I love her because we just watched it, but I I love her saying of just because it works doesn't mean it can't be improved. Oh yeah. I, I love and I I feel like that is in a lot of ways, now I'm gonna get heartfelt here, but I feel like <laughs> in a lot of ways that doesn't apply to just inventions. It applies to people. That's true. Just because it works doesn't mean you can't get better. That's true. You can't be better. Yeah. And I think that'll be that whole whole other thing. But yeah. I just, that, that I don't know, that really spoke to me when she said that. I was like, oh. Yeah, it, it could be applied to self-help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe it's actually kind of like the inventor's motto. Yeah. It, it could be considered the motto of, it's like, just because it works doesn't mean it can't be improved. Yeah. And the, instead of a lot of people who aren't inventors, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. You know, like that is the, I don't want to touch it because I don't understand it. Right. Motto. Whereas inventors are going, well, it doesn't mean it can't be better. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it works, but could it do its job better? Could it do another job? Right. Like, and I don't have that big of an inventor mindset. Like, I like the idea of coming up with ideas, but following <laughs> through inside ideas is a lot harder. But to be the type of person who can not only think of something so amazing, like, like we'll say Doc Brown, time travel. The fact that he came up with the flux capacitor, figured out how to do it. Of course, we realized in later movies, he realized plutonium was a bad idea, electricity is a bad idea, and a lot of other things just did not go as well as it should. But that he not only thought of it, but found a way to make it happen and then made it happen. Like literally followed through in all the steps. That's true. Yeah, it took him 30 years to make it possible. (laughs) Yeah. And then eventually he was able to improve upon his own invention mm-hmm. with the time train. Right. Like, it took out all of the variables that made it difficult to move around right, uh, time. Yeah, because he discovered, obviously, plutonium's hard to get. Right. And when you travel back in time, you can't get it. Right. So you have to rely on, at that time, they relied on a lightning strike, which, thank God, the new one was. Right. <laughs> thank the writers. Right. Thank you, writers. <laughs> but then in the next one, you know, he's got the processor. Mr. Fusion. Yeah. So he can just take trash because obviously trash is everywhere. Right. But then they run into the problem of, well, now the car doesn't have gas. And, and if they you go, go in, back in time. Yeah. yeah. When you go far, far, far back in time before they had cars, yeah. guess what? You're not going to get gas. Yeah. At least when he develops the time train, it runs on steam. Right. Which water is everywhere right and if you can't have water you pretty much can't go there right and having the power to haul all that stuff behind him mm. not just be in this tiny little car right that can't carry anything it only carries you and maybe one other <laughs> right they, they had to like stack up in back to the future too, yeah they took jennifer to the future <laughs> Get cozy, guys. We're going back to the future. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, That he kept inventing even after everything went wrong. Mm -hmm. I believe it's something that exists in 
certain people mm-hmm. that is this drive to create something new. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that old saying that necessity is the mother of invention. When someone sees a need, also in robots, see a need, fill a need. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone sees something that could be improved upon, mm-hmm. like in Cherry's case, or you see that something can be done another way. Right. You see if it's easier. Right. Sometimes it's just tinkering and finding out if it's right or wrong. With Inventor's Day and then Darwin's Day, you find, right. you figure out, okay, a lot of people get it wrong. Right. That's. I think that's why they go back and forth, because literally you start with your invention, and it usually is going to fail. Yeah. It, it is most likely going to fail. Yeah, it's the scientific method trial and error Mm -hmm. sometimes it's fatal in the case of darwin awards or at least it takes you out of the gene pool or it's just kind of dumb like dumb dumb yeah there is that whole movie about the insurance claims guy who goes around the country investigating these darwin award type deaths like the guy that tries to tip over a vending machine to get an extra candy bar Mm -hmm. and it ends up falling on him and killing him So it's those dumb statistical things that you find out about that make you think, hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how a lot of Darwin Awards go now more than before, just because I don't think there's as much amateur invention going on. If it is, it's not not enough to to warrant anyone giving a crap about it, so to speak. so. So I guess movies are probably better for that than real life is just because... They can think above and beyond and be like, what's the stupidest thing you can invent? I don't know, maybe something that that walks for you. There's things in our history that we look back at and we think, that was really dumb. Like, lawn darts. That was a dumb invention. That Yeah. <laughs> Weighted darts that you throw at your opponent. It's a game. For kids. <laughs> <laughs> Because kids have great aim, by the way. I don't know if you know, kids have fantastic aim. And they definitely wouldn't pretend or actually throw something to pretend to harm someone. Or get angry. Yeah, no, that you're right. That was a really dumb... (laughs) I mean, to be fair, darts in general is incredibly dangerous. Yeah, but at least... But weighted darts, so much worse. At least with regular darts, they give you a board to aim at. Well, in lawn darts, you have a peg. It's kind of like horseshoes, but with a weighted dart. The board is also the ground. You're standing on it. You're standing <laughs> on the board. It's life-size chess. Look, look this is but a game those, of life or death here. Okay. It's it's life-size chess, but the knights have real swords, and they're going to stab you. <laughs> I mean, fair, and you're just a pawn in all of it. That's terrible. But no, you're right. Lawn lawn darts is a a, a terrible invention. Back to like comic book inventors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We talked about Marvel, but there's also, you know, the whole DC side of it. Yeah. Where Batman has all those wonderful toys. We can't say that Batman is the inventor. Right. But he has one of the best ones in the man of Lucius Fox. Yeah, that's true. Who did all this stuff. Played by, you know, Morgan Freeman. Smart man. Yeah. He was God, so. (laughs) In the Nolan uh, trilogy. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was able to take all these military type things, I guess it was more of a upgrading current technology 
to have the bat symbol on it. Ah, gotcha. Like uh, the batarang or things that he threw, mm-hmm. he you know sharpened them down to look like bats, but oh, they were okay. already throwable items. Anything with throwable items. <laughs> the, he uh, molded the hel- helmets so that he could turn his head. So right. it wasn't connected to the rest of his suit. Right, yeah. Kind of solved the whole thing of the rubber suit in the earlier series. Batman has all these gadgets mm-hmm. that help him fight crime without killing anybody, I think is a really cool thing. It is. It is really cool. Um, I wish that Bruce Wayne was the one who invented them. I think he came up with the ideas like, hey, I wish I could have something that did this. Right. And then there were people that made it. Well, I think he had those brainstorming sessions mm-hmm. with Lucius. Mm-hmm. Like he'd say, I need this sort of thing. And they would bounce ideas off of each other mm-hmm. until they actually got something practical that they could create. So a collaborative invention. Yeah. I like it. Well, that I think that's how most great inventions happen. I doubt it's... Mm-hmm. Usually the fame goes to one person. Right. But if... A duo or a team can work on something to mm-hmm. create something great for the betterment of humanity. That's awesome. Like in uh, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. uh, Halliday and Morrow, they created the Oasis together. Right. This virtual world that people live their lives in. Right. They did that together. Sure. And he wanted people to do that together after he was gone. Which is why he set up the game like he did. Right. So that whoever won it actually ran it, the, uh, yeah. ran it the right way. Like he didn't. Right. Like he regretted shoving out his friend. Right. Shouldn't be. Of course, like you make a lot of money, but if money's your only, your only motivation, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a lot of money, but nobody to share it with. I don't even think money was his motivation. It might have been partially because I know at the end when Parsifal, you know, goes to sign the contract, he's in all of these dollars and trillions and blah will now be yours because obviously the money was there. But I think he was pushing his friend out because he missed the chance with the girl and seeing them together was incredibly Um. painful. And he's like, you know what? I can make more money. I can get that away from me. I don't have to look at that anymore. So it just kind of worked together. That's kind of how I understood it, and that might be wrong. But that would make sense to me is that, hey, not only do I make more money, but I also get to get this, like, elephant out of the room. I don't have to look at her and them happy because I really liked her. Well, he does talk about it at the end that he was never really able to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. So most of his life, he was terrified of talking to others. Right. I think to have... Morrow be that friend of his for so long and then to feel that sort of pain when he sees Mm -hmm. Kira right yeah Kira with him with him he's it makes him feel things that he's not able to deal with Mm -hmm. so he had to get rid of him that's what I'm thinking it was just easier to just make the problem go away because like a lot of people like you said it was using the oasis to get away from problems true but he's like like he said in the end he's like you know reality is real right. where you can get a decent a good, meal a decent meal yeah <laughs> that's kind of a sad story when you think about it that way oh yeah yeah watching it again it's um it's really sad when people who don't really know how to fit mm-hmm. into the world at large 
especially when they gain a lot of notoriety mm-hmm. and success. When they're in that spotlight, I don't know how many can deal with it. Right. I think even regular people can either, honestly. Right. At least they're able to connect to others to try to talk it out with, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. I see. But when you're... Not good at talking to people. Right. Yeah, yeah that's you fair. can't even get your words out. You're trying to learn French by yourself. Yeah. Without a guide. Like, do, <laughs> do, do anything just on your own. Everything is self-taught. So you're constantly bombarded with this anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it can be crippling for a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah. And I imagine, honestly, that's probably where inventors come from, is from that fear, that anxiety of peopling. Oh, yeah. So well, they like, just tinker with things. Well, like, like I said, necessity is the mother of invention. They need to um... feel this connection or be able to operate in this world. So they create things and ways to actually interact. <laughs> Halliday wanted to connect with people but he couldn't do it in the real world. So he did it in a way he was comfortable. Right. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about it like that. That makes a lot of sense. And I know there's a lot of people that way now that they connect better with people online than they do with people in person. Because it is easier when when all of your insecurities, because most of your insecurities are a lot of times physical appearance. How do I look? How do I smell? How am I not their type? Am I, you know, like you have all of that but behind a screen, you know, it's imagination, right? You can picture them however you want. They can picture you however they want. And then yeah. you just got to charm them with your personality. And that's easier to do. Yeah. And sometimes it's as stress inducing as what do I do with my hands? That's true. <laughs> the other one I just remembered I wrote down. That I didn't know if you wanted to talk about Wild Wild West. Oh, God, no. <laughs> No, that, that, man, that, that was so stupid. I mean, they had some cool inventions in there, but that is, like we were talking about earlier in the thing, mm-hmm. bad inventions. Right. That is full of bad inventions. Yeah. Like, they, they just don't make sense. They just did them because wouldn't it be cool if... And steampunk. Yeah. I kind of liked the train with all the gadgetry on it. Mm-hmm. That seemed kind of cool. Like, his stuff actually seemed sort of practical. Mm -hmm. He was, like, inventing stuff before it was supposed to exist. Right. Which was kind of cool. Right. That's one of those things I I kind of like. It's like an alternate history sort of thing, Mm -hmm. like creating a a steampunk television back in Victorian England. Right. That sort of thing. Like, the it shouldn't be there, but it is, so that's That's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, you're just kind of like, why? You know who did those inventions better? Men in Black. The big guns obviously made these specialized guns. Well, those... Weapons. I think those guns are based... I think because Wild Wild West was set in the past, Mm -hmm. they were able to show inventions of things that existed now Mm -hmm. that didn't exist then that made it feel more cool. Whereas with Men in Black, they brought in things that don't exist. You can't tell me though those the motorcycle thing like the big circular Oh yeah. Like that was really cool. The cool things that they had in the cars. Oh yeah. Like those were really neat. I mean, granted I understand that they're not practical and they're probably never well, yeah. going to happen. The I know those those are cool inventions for Men in Black, but I think those uh, sit more in the science fiction oh, okay. area. 
where I know flux capacitor, Same time travel. Of, right. I know that's not real. They at least did enough groundwork with it to make it seem scientific. Like well, in this world, you know, it's right. 1.21 gigawatts. It works on electricity and plutonium. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nuclear engine or so there's a, a n- nuclear powered time machine in a gas powered car. Right. So there's enough real items to make it believable. Right. It's not just, here's this fancy looking gun we made and it does this thing. We don't know what it is, but it takes care of that alien. Right. Still a bit more. A bit more fantasy. Yes. But okay. I just like their guns better. Oh yeah. Yeah, Nice shiny. Nice shiny. And and they do a lot of really cool things. Plus, like I said, I like the stuff that their cars could do and like, you know, the neuralizer and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like that's really cool. But they, you're right. They don't explain how that works. Right. There's no explanation. It's just, you see a flash and poof. Well, the the neuralizer, they probably go into the most detail on at the beginning of the first movie. It's a gift from some friends from out of town. It'll uh, isolate the neurons in your brain. More importantly, the ones from memory. Uh, So if you look right here. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But see, it's just enough to go, that sounds right, but still doesn't make sense. Because... Especially in the sense when you compare it to Back to the Future, that makes more sense because, you know, the clocks, the DeLorean, it's a car. That's a, It's an actual car, yeah. which is cool. You've got the all the stuff on the inside, glowy bits. You're not sure what it is, but it connects to something. So it's like, okay, believable, sure, mm-hmm. um, to make power, to do whatever. So that's believable. You don't understand it, but it it's enough of realism. Yeah, it seems to... real enough that you actually believe that it could be real. Right. Okay, that's fair. And we get a lot more of that now. Yeah. I know there's more inventors. But I think for this episode of mm-hmm. it, I think we've covered a good deal of them. A plethora. Yeah, yeah. We've, <laughs> you know, we've talked about it in the real world. We've talked about it in TV, movies, comics, you know, how invention in the geeky pop culture world, mm-hmm. how it affects us just by watching it and how we want to actually contribute to our world through creating these inventions because of our geeky tendencies. Yeah, it's usually the geeky people that invent things. Because we spend a lot of time by ourselves. Or with others who feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, by ourselves in groups of like-minded people. I don't know if that's still by ourselves. Well, (laughs) a a group of introverts. Oh, yeah, that's true. They are kind of by themselves. They're just sitting together. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that does it for this week's episode. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we covered a lot. I'm really proud that it got as deep as it did. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. That we think about invention going deeper. That invention in and of itself is generally... Used for the betterment of all humankind. Mm. Sometimes it's corrupted into more twisted into selfish Mm -hmm. ways of like greed and power and stuff like that. Yeah, usually by the non-inventors, they're just taking from other people, which is a common villain thing. Yeah, in real world and fantasy world, sadly. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe, review. Suggest things that you think will make the show better. And share with your friends. Yeah. Spread the word. You know, get get the fun out there to mm-hmm. others. Just something that, you know, lets them spend an hour, have some fun, listening to a couple of 
geeks talking Couple about weirdos. Yeah, talking about <laughs> something fun. It got a little deep today. It's but, just what where where the conversation goes, and I think that's one of the fun things about this. I'm hoping that's the genuine part about this is that we just kind of let it go where it goes, and sometimes we stay on topic. We try, but sometimes it just reaches a point where something just has to be said, and hopefully that'll help people understand where we stand and maybe reach to them in that same manner. Right, so that we do have some fun, but we also, you know, send a a nice message that isn't too heavy-handed. Come back next week when we will be talking about Black Panther, Yep. which is turning four next week. That's the anniversary of the release date. Yeah, we'll be talking about Black Panther and all the cool things. Yeah, we'll be probably talking about Chadwick Boseman because, of course, he left us too soon. I know. Thanks, 2020. Yeah. His involvement in Civil War, Infinity War, Should we talk about some possible things we've heard, maybe, of the Black Panther 2? Um, There's rumors. There's not a lot out, but maybe. Black Panther 2 is coming out this year mm-hmm. his uh, I'm glad he was largely featured in what if yeah that's that was we could talk about that too yeah so come back next week we'll be talking all things Black Panther from the MCU we are geeky, geeky Dinks. Dinks.